Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi everyone, it's Matt here from the Custard TV. As you can tell, you're listening to the Custard TV podcast. Those of you who follow us on social media may have seen that we lost uh, a member of the team this week. Um, Hannah, who wrote for the website, unfortunately passed away uh, from cancer, uh, I believe last Friday. Really sad news. Hannah had been writing for the website for about a year and a half and we've been sort of DMing on and off. If you look at our Instagram, Dawn has very kindly put a link to Hannah's articles on uh, thecustardtv.com. Instagram's It's The Custard TV. Especially poignant this week because we'll be discussing Black Mirror shortly and having spoken to Hannah, she was a massive fan of Black Mirror um, she, I just got a message up where she was sort of voicing a disappointment about the last season. Uh, Smithereens was the only one who grabbed her attention. She said that her favourite episodes of Black Mirror were San Junipero, Nosedive, Metalhead and Be Right Back. And she preferred like the early Channel 4 episodes. So it is a shame that she never got to do the podcast. I was trying to get her on several times and sadly this might have been the one which she could have done. Thoughts go out to Hannah's family at this sad time and, you know, we'll all miss her here on the Custard TV podcast. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. On today's show, we have got Dawn Glenn in Dundee. Is it still sunny there, Dawn? Because I saw on your Instagram, you, you and your husband went out on what was meant to be the last sunny day in Dundee. I'm keeping an eye on the forecast because it's my birthday next Sunday. So I keep looking to see what the weather's going to be. And it said it was going to be raining all this week. So I picked up my husband from work and we went and got fish and chips and ate them sitting at the seafront, which was very nice. Oddly, we saw not a single seagull, which was very weird. We began to wonder if there was some Black Mirror-esque type thing going on. I'm sure Chris Packham could tell you something about... <laughs> the lack of seagulls in the in the country uh, and that sort of thing, but no, that's that's uh, a very nice thing. Fish and chips are by the sea. Michael, have you been enjoying the sunshine as well? No, I've been hating it. <laughs> Literally, my hay fever has just gone mad from Monday. It has gone insane. I was thinking, oh, I've got new hay fever tablets. They've been working. Oh, I might not get it this year. Monday morning, boom, and it's been hectic for the last seven days. So for the next three or four weeks, I'll probably be quite miserable about the sun and then I'll enjoy it. And then you'll, you'll be going, why isn't it sunny anymore? <laughs> yeah, then it'll be winter <laughs> again. And then I'll be moaning that it's winter. 
Welcome to uh, Very British Problems, the podcast. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. A bit of uh, good news for some this week as well. I don't know, Dawn, if we discussed it before or during the podcast last week, but there was uh, rumblings that uh, Naked Attraction had been cancelled on (laughs) Channel 4. But it looks like that was just a myth and it's coming back for a new series. Get in! (laughs) What was the one they did the year? It was like Naked Attraction educational episode. Uh, what was that called? It's all educational. <laughs> That's true. There's only so many ways you can sort of explain sort of what you like about a certain appendage, isn't there? Yeah, really? and also when they have to dance to music and jiggle about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Michael's yeah. obviously got it on series link. Well, I did used to quite enjoy it, in a certain, but like you say, I haven't watched it for two or three series now because what can it do now? They just get them to put cream on their willies and... That's about, and, 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 and I have seen that happen on the show, and it's just like, okay, this is getting a bit silly now. The the swinger one as well. That's a weird one to me. The fact that there's cameras in the bedroom and they're all just under the sheets, and it's just like immediately that feels unnatural, and then it's just, oh, I don't know, it's weird. I've watched a couple of episodes of that, and I can't get my head around why you'd want to be filmed if you want to experiment in a relationship fine and go to seek advice from certain people but don't put it on camera why would you do it (laughs) let's uh, get started firstly uh coming up on today's show we will be discussing uh the full monty the series of the film of the same name catherine tate's new comedy queen of oz bridget christie's new comedy drama the change and black mirror is back and we let dawn pick an episode so obviously it's the scottish one oh henry but first, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different with our what we've been watching. We'll, we'll sort of extend it out a little bit because Luke on Twitter last week, basically, as Luke does, uh, moaning that there wasn't as much TV on as there normally is. We did talk about it briefly um, on the podcast last week. And he's had quite a lot of replies to, to the tweet. I was just going to go through some of them and ask my colleagues here, uh, their thoughts and also point you towards Luke's article on thecustertv.com where he's done the um, his best shows of the year so far. Michael, because we haven't heard from you most of this year, what, what have you been enjoying on TV? What have been your highlights? Um, I would go with the cliched answer of the first one being Happy Valley. Apart from a mm. couple of minor quibbles, the way that ended, that is that is how to end a TV series. What I've loved most and that's been new this year is Colin from Accounts. It's just one of those unexpected things. You flick it on, think, oh, what's this going to be like? And immediately by the end of that first episode, I was totally in love with the madness of the characters, their relationship and the little dog. I I just loved Colin from Accounts so much. And a show that I know Luke doesn't like and he doesn't get it. I would say my last answer. I haven't really seen a lot of TV dramas this year because uh, I haven't really felt like I've had time to commit to a lot of them but I love Taskmaster and I think this recent series has been absolutely brilliant and for a show to be what 15 series in and to be as continually funny 
and evolving as taskmasters i think that's pretty impressive see i'm sort of on luke's side with i just it for me i just could never get into i can never relax into taskmaster mm. I, i'm not quite sure what it is i've watched a fair few episodes with a friend of mine and she absolutely loves it and there's bits of it i like the stuff in studio works better for me than the stuff that's out of the studio yeah and i suppose it's one of those as well it depends who's on it and i actually enjoyed the bits that i saw of this most recent series uh with ivo graham and may martin who i absolutely love so yeah i think it's a combination of those things really isn't it it's the cast that they've got combined with the silliness of it i think is something that gets me sometimes yeah Um, i i think they generally cast really well the way mm. they all play off each other and like you say in the studio it, it works at its best this recent series has been one of the best ones well uh, most of mine are on the uh, article uh, on the website ones that aren't on there are uh, our flag means death which i uh, i'm completely in love with and it is getting a second series on max formerly hbo max so i'm hoping it'll come to the uk quicker than the first series did uh, and Picard, I really loved Picard, and it was a, a fitting end. If that, you know, if that's the end of it, then uh, of John Luke Picard, I should say, if that's his last appearance. Um, it was such a love letter to the fans, you know, and, and to Next Generation, and a little bit of Deep Nine and Voyager as well. But I love the fact that it had so many women over fifty in main roles and action roles. Very, very few shows do that, but well done, Picard. Mm. Let's have more of Well, I was going to respond to you and and say, what about Murder, She Wrote? (laughs) I don't remember Jessica Fletcher doing a tuck and roll and chasing after a a, a suspect, but I could be wrong. She's often in peril, though. Does that (laughs) not count? (laughs) General peril. But yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm completely in love with Poker Face and Somebody Somewhere. Once again, having to admit that Luke is right. <laughs> and I just started watching uh, Girls 5 Ever uh, yesterday, which I really loved. So, um, yeah, I like Which it. is great, yeah. A lot of female-led comedy, basically. I've got nothing more to add, really. As you say, Happy Valley, Succession, uh, Race Across the World, Unforgotten, Extraordinary, which I had some issues with, but, you know, enjoyed enjoyed it on the whole and there is a big list of stuff uh, that i still need to catch up with colin from accounts uh, being uh, one of them let's just go uh, to some of the responses that luke had amy uh, beth friend of dawn's and uh, writer for the site uh, said the rig which you enjoyed as well yeah i did yeah i did enjoy that last of us jury duty yellow jackets uh, we've got lee thompson saying he loved barry poker face Blue Lights and the Gold, um, also Platonic and Silo. Gallows Pole says Robin Parker and Rain Dogs, another one, Rain Dogs, that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I forgot about Rain Dogs. Did you watch that, Michael? Yeah, again, it's, I started Rain Dogs and it was all right. <laughs> and then I kind of got distracted by something else. Ben House says Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland, Barry, Succession, Happy Valley, Blue Lights uh, and Silo. Lots of love for Silo as well, Dawn, which is something that I know you enjoyed. Yeah, we haven't had a good sci-fi series, not a continuing franchise, a new sci-fi series for a while. So I, I really like it and hope it uh, it continues to do well. And it is coming back for a second series, so that'll be good. 
I'm just reading through some of these tweets and I'm enjoying how Luke's telling people they're wrong when they're mentioning shows from last year. (laughs) 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 Uh, Our friends over at the Honeymoon Period podcast say, I think you should leave uh, Ted Lasso and Poker Face. Those are Mark's choices. Elaine's choices are Steel Town Murders, Silo, Fatal Attraction and Happy Valley. Together, their couple recommendations are Fleischman is in Trouble and Race Across the World. What else have we got? Um, We've got uh, Sophie Davis, her favourite show of the year so far is Extraordinary. Um, And a podcast called The Box Tunnel Survivors Group. I don't know if we heard of them. Um, Never heard of them. Bit of niche niche podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to you, actually, Michael. Happy Valley, Colin from Accounts. Extraordinary as well mentioned. Oh, yeah, no, I did like Extraordinary. I think it slightly dipped towards the end. Mm. I don't think it quite maintained its momentum from the beginning but yeah i i mean i'm looking forward to the second series i mean there's a lot of responses on here if you look on luke's twitter you'll see them but i say a lot of love for you know happy valley a lot of love for blue lights actually as well yeah. which i didn't keep up with did you dawn no i meant to i saw another episode and then just forgot but i did enjoy it i think it mm. could be it could develop into something really good and that's been renewed as well so oh, oh well that's good and as I say, if you go over to the website now, you will be able to see that piece that Luke has done, as well as the aforementioned reviewer, Colin from Accounts, uh, that Dawn put together. We've also got a top five Black Mirror episodes from Tyler uh, fitting into our Black Mirror review. And the coming soon is being updated uh, by myself as we get a load of announcements uh, from Netflix over the weekend because they're doing their Tudum events uh, this weekend. And with the Custard TV podcast, you can find us on all your podcast apps of choice. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you'd like to uh, be on the podcast or write for the website. Uh, please contact either Luke at Luke Custard TV, myself at Matt's TV Bytes, uh, the podcast Twitter at Custard TV Pod. On Instagram, it's the Custard TV. Please follow us on there because Dawn is doing a stellar job putting that together. On Facebook, the Custard TV. And if you'd like to email, it's Custard TV Reviews with an S at the end at gmail.com. Michael, your podcast. My podcast is called The Box Tunnel Survivors Group and it's about the BBC free show Being Human. The next episode will be a biggie. It'll be the last episode of Series 2. And then a couple of weeks after that, I will release an episode where I interviewed the showrunner and creator, uh, Toby Whithouse. So I'm looking forward to people listening to that one. It's been on my list to do for quite a while to talk to Toby about it. And we had about an hour and a half. And uh, to refine all the questions that I wanted to ask him within that time was quite difficult. But we, we covered quite a bit. Okay, that'd be one to look out for. And also you did a an on-tour one recently as well. <laughs> You know you're a podcaster when you walk around the city talking to yourself into your phone. Oh, um, well, I haven't done that yet. No, one... <laughs> no, no, not yet. No. <laughs> talking about werewolves and vampires and where where attacks happened and not being arrested. That was basically my <laughs> gist of getting out that weekend, not being arrested. Yeah, it's called Locations, 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 Bristol. And it's just mostly me and I met up with someone else talking about where certain things were filmed in the show. And you can't get sadder than that if you're going to see where places were filmed. So if you're a massive fan of being human, please check out Michael's podcast. First up then this week, the uh, Full Monty. This is the sequel, I suppose, of the film of the same name. 
25 Years After the Fact. Uh, it's co-written by Simon Beaufoy, who was the original writer of the film, um, alongside Alice Nutter, who has been a TV writer for the last 10 or 15 years, but will be best known to some as the female vocalist in Chumbawamba. So most of the original gang are still friends, hanging out in a, in a cafe that Lompa now owns with his husband, Dennis. They spend most of their days bemoaning the state of their country and voicing their confusion with the way of the world. Uh, this is best exemplified in a scene in the opening episode where Paul Barber's character Horse attempts to buy some sausages at a local supermarket. Uh, meanwhile, Dave and Jean are the caretaker and head teacher at the local comprehensive school. Uh, she spends most of her time doing the books rather than actually teaching. Meanwhile, he befriends a young lad who um, he catches stealing crisps and biscuits uh, from the canteen. Dave also seemingly has a soft spot for Gaz's teenage daughter, Destiny, who he believes is smart but is going off the rails. Uh, partly, as we see, she's got an unstable home situation, often has to care for her younger twin sisters. The start of the episode sees Destiny bunk off school with a classmate. Uh, they end up stealing a car from the local shopping mall. Soon on, they find there's a dog in the back and then realise that the dog is like a famous dog. It's basically Pudsey from Britain's Got Talent is what we're looking at here. Um, a, a take off of, of that. They jokingly putting the dog for ransom. Uh, this gets misconstrued by uh, one of their friends who then puts a ransom demand on social media. Uh, this leads to Destiny asking uh, Gaz for help. They start to bond and uh, she moves into his caravan. Gaza eventually attempts to return the dog to its owner, but gets a proposition uh, which may change his life and also get enough money for his uh, disabled grandson uh, to afford a new electronic wheelchair. There's a lot going on in this first episode and I didn't go over it all there. First of all, guys, did we watch the original film at the time? I mean, I remember it being... A very much a phenomenon in the in the late 90s dawn were you a fan did you watch it yeah i i love that kind of a film anyway you know the british small town everybody gets together to do something good like pride and billy elliott yeah those kind of films calendar so girls <laughs> yes there is many of them <laughs> so i was looking forward to seeing it. i have watched the full monty many years ago it's not as good as naked attraction though is it <laughs> um, uh, Seems I, I for you, nothing much is. <laughs> uh, no, I remember the vague ideas and some mm. of the storylines from it, so I didn't rewatch it coming into this. No. But I, I, yeah, I, I remember the gist of it. I'll stick with you then, Michael. What were your thoughts on the on the series? Did you just watch the one episode, like I did? Uh, yeah, just the one episode. Yeah. I thought it was a really intriguing opening, considering episode one is called Leveling Up. It starts really political, doesn't it? There's the recap of both the film and in real life the last 25 years politically and all the prime ministers and all the things that they were promising the north and they never delivered in terms of money that was all very intriguing for an opening and i liked the cut from the theater where they performed mm. in its heyday and then it then it faded out and faded to the current day where now it's all closed down and and we immediately get what the show's motives are they're very similar to what i remember of the film and then it kind of strays i don't know if that's a bad pun or not to some teenagers accidentally stealing a dog, mm. which kind of went on for quite a while. And I was thinking, is this the full Monty? Is have I am I on something else now? Because it it just didn't feel in fit in keeping with firstly the film and and the beginning of what, how the show started. 
once we got onto the other characters and and that built up a bit more i could eventually see the social commentary come back and the gist of it is everyone is poor everyone's struggling and i'm going to guess that in time i don't know how many episodes there are but in time it'll evolve into some sort of anniversary strip to raise some money for something a local community center or or something to help the community like you say a lot does happen but it was quite slow in its nature and it was taking its time to tell the story i guess these are the kind of details you couldn't get into a film Mm. or or the little intricate bits and i also appreciate the fact that it's not completely saturated in nostalgia it's there and there's also you get the modern day oh i don't understand technology I don't understand social media and all that kind of stuff. But this is Mm -hmm. where they are now catch up first episode. I thought it was pretty promising. And hopefully once that's so out of the way, they can kind of cut loose from the second episode, especially with the dog stealing thing. It reminded me a bit of a more good natured Brassic. It kind of felt like a much more pedestrian episode of Brassic in in a sense. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I don't watch that, but yeah, I get I get your references. I thought it was a promising first episode, and there's a lot of layers going on, I would say. And Dawn, did you go on past number one? Yeah, I watched the second episode because, like uh, Michael's saying, you know, the first episode, there's a lot about this dog napping, which I definitely think was the weakest part of it all. And I wanted to see how it went on into the second episode. And I enjoyed the second episode a lot more than the first, even though it felt a lot like an episode of Waterloo Road. Because oh, okay. Well, it does. Well, I thought we've that got two with different the, references the whole, there. The whole school <laughs> stuff did feel like yeah. a bit like Waterloo Road. There's a lot about the school and, and the, the money side of the school and the fact that the you know, teachers, although we're not focusing on a teacher, it's a caretaker with Dave, but that they are becoming social workers as well as teachers because so many children have bad setup at home, whether just financially or through other problems. And I really enjoyed that. The second episode focuses a lot on Dave and the boy that he befriends and a bit more on uh, his wife, Jean, as well, who's the, the headmistress. I found that much more enjoyable than the first episode. The first episode... I. I felt it was a bit all over the place and especially the relationship between Destiny and uh, Gaz, it felt like their scenes were out of order because quite late in the episode they have this scene where they're talking about the fact that they had been estranged and you know they should get together but it's like I should already moved in with them by then and it seemed like that should have come at the start. I didn't think their relationship was played out very believably or, or had a coherence to it. But the scenes when Gaz and Dave were together, instantly I felt that chemistry and the full Monty feel, the banter backwards and, you know, the fact that Dave is always getting Gaz out of trouble and Gaz is always getting Dave into trouble. I liked that aspect and I really loved that the the guy who plays um, Gaz's son, Nathan, is the same actor. You know, the, the child actor is now grown up and is playing his son as a policeman. I really liked that. The the worst thing for it for me is that, I, as I say, I watched both episodes, two episodes, I should say, and both episodes had a musical interlude. And I thought, it just feels like they feel they have to do that because the film Monty was so connected to the, its soundtrack. So there's a scene where Gaz and Destiny 
play with the dog in a park and mm. a song plays and, and I, I found that cringy. And in the second episode, it's um, Dave and the wee boy are uh, polishing the floor in the gymnasium at the school and they listen to Bad Moon Rising and they're dancing to it. And I just, it felt shoehorned in and not natural. Whereas in, in the Full Monty, it felt natural. You know, it, it fitted with the storyline, but it feels like they're trying really hard to capture that and they don't need to. The music as a background is fine. You don't need to have it as this main feature or have it in a way that's more fitting with the story rather than just, let's have a, a musical interlude. Can I ask, as you've seen like two episodes, where do you think it's going? Are you I, on the same page as me? I mean, there's obviously got to be some element of the strip well, side or maybe not. I don't think there is. I read an article today uh, which had a, a spoiler for the final episode and I don't think that I think it is focusing on the same issue of they need money mm. but I don't think it's I, I could be wrong I haven't seen the final episode but I don't think they, it's going to go down the stripping road maybe it goes okay place else I don't know the plot synopsis on Disney did seem to suggest that there would be something similar like a group activity maybe not strip there was like a thing i'm just gonna try and find it now where it was like when tragedy strikes they have to reunite to blah de blah de blah or something like that see i think you you've both got to the uh the root cause of it really it to me feels like at some point an executive somewhere has got hold of this mm-hmm. you know really sort of powerful social commentary on the way things are in England at the moment and gone right this is going on Disney plus we need to put in this like comedy kidnapping story about a dog and we have to at some point spray paint the dog for no apparent reason and we have to have these as you said this musical sequence we need younger characters because we can't have all these middle-aged characters we have to have like young protagonists as well well, you've both said, and I agree, that the, the dog napping scene was very much the Nadir, I think, of the first episode. Guess who stopped watching at that point? Yes, Luke stopped watching <laughs> at that point in the episode. <laughs> I did just find it a little bit confusing in terms of the tone. And I the scene that has stuck with me is the scene with Paul Barber, where he can't use the, mm. the self-checkout, because that yeah. rings so true. You know, schools are underfunded. The bits that that worked for me were very much the social commentary stuff and the bits that didn't were the stuff where we were focusing on other characters who weren't in the film and sort of hijinks. So, and if you say, Dawn, that it goes more to the, the commentary side of things as it goes on, then maybe I'd enjoy it more. I mean, like, obviously Simon Beaufoy comes from the side of has written the the original film and Alice Nutter has sort of worked a lot with Jimmy McGovern and those sort of social commentary pieces. So you can see that in here, but it's just muddled in with a lot of other things. And I think a lot of people have got their hands on it before it's got to the screen. My other question would be, did we need a full Monty revival like 25 Mm. years on? Is it something that people were clamouring for? Like, I mean... Obviously, the three of us actually last year spoke about Willow, which, you know, is a cult film and you can sort of understand why it's come back. But do you do you feel like we needed to see where the characters from the Full Monty were 25 years later? 
I wouldn't say there's been a massive public demand. No. <laughs> you know, I, I guess when I talk about nostalgia, I guess in terms of TV executives and things, there will always be that element of, oh, this was big. How do we get this back? How do we incorporate it into the modern world and into streaming for viewers? But the problem is, like you say, I think there's been too many hands on it. I liked it as a whole, but I think some elements didn't fit other elements. And if this was on the BBC, I think it would have been a different animal entirely. Yeah, It it would have been a bit more streamlined and a bit more on point, I think. Would a film, a full Monty T film work as well? I know you said about obviously the character developments you wouldn't have. You would have had to have done that, you know, within about 10 minutes rather than take a 50 minutes or however long this episode was but do you think it would have got to the point quicker and we wouldn't have had to have like all the stupid stuff with the dog oh, I, I don't know not many people go to the cinema nowadays so, so i suppose maybe not because <laughs> kids today et cetera, well, I, et again also like you, you've got to look at your target market like if if a film that's 25 years ago if a sequel comes out 25 years later the full monty 2 in cinemas are people going to go see it in the cinema I mean, it'd be a bigger thing and it would be it'd probably get a bit more interest because it's a film. Mm. But even still, like those people might have childcare and oh, I can't go to cinema. Oh, it costs, <laughs> 20, it costs 20 quid to go to the cinema and cost eight, six pounds for a pop- popcorn. So, Dude, Michael, did you write the full Monty? <laughs> <laughs> I was just a script advisor. I, I, I told them not to do the dog nap, but, you know, they didn't listen to me. I just had to look to see what happened in the final episode and no, there is no stripping. But oh. uh... so that is all up there now on um, Disney Plus. Next up, we've got a double bill of comedies. Uh, first up, we will be doing uh, the change from uh, Bridget Christie. Uh, this is on Channel Four. Starts Wednesday night with a double bill. And Michael, if you could just run us through the basics of this one. Yes, this is like you say, written by and starring comedian Bridget Christie. She plays Linda as she goes through the menopause and she's already weighed down by life and feeling unappreciated. She leaves her useless husband for a few weeks to go on a quest for a tree in the forest of Dean. Good luck with that one. One tree in the forest. The first thing that struck me about this is as a really impressive cast, at least Tarbuck, Susan Lynch, Monica Dolan, Paul Whitehouse. But if we're going to refer this to another comedy we're doing this week, no spoilers. This is how to do funny, I think. I think the dialogue's really quick and funny. It's done well. And there are sort sort of grounded performances. It's, it's a comedy, so it's slightly heightened. But it has excellent one-liners. And, for example, uh, Bridget Christie's I nearly fainted because you know what I'm like around men's genitals. <laughs> but it's got... It's, it's a trope that's been done many times before. The downtrodden wife... But there's something that sets this apart. For example, I thought the shift from the part one to part two was really interesting. The part one is very domestic. And part two is when she starts going on a quest and meeting other people. And they're really at odds with each other. But I thought that was a very interesting way to do it because it could have stayed at home and still stayed funny. But it wouldn't stand out particularly from other sitcoms. Whereas here there's little touches that are excellent, like the time she chooses to go away is the amount of time that she's totted up over the years that the, the invisible work that she does, that she feels underappreciated and that she gets no thanks for. 
yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it flew by because it was about half an hour. First episode, I thought it was really strong in the sense that it made lots of good points about the sexes and the menopause and middle age. So, yeah, I thought this was a really, really strong performance. As sort of the token woman here today. <laughs> a woman of a certain age. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. But was this something that you could sort of relate to? Was there stuff in here that you... Was this sort of a, an accurate portrayal, would you say, of, of this yeah, sort of I, stage in life? I would say that this is particularly exaggerated in that uh, Omidjalili uh, and Lisa Tarbert are just awful, awful people in this. But the stuff about invisible work is a conversation I have with my friends all the time. We all talk about it. And obviously not every man or not every husband or partner is that is the same. But they all, all do seem to have a, an aspect of this that, you know, here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not just the, the physical housework. It's the stuff like remembering your mother's birthday and, you know, when's the school trip? When did I have to have a fancy dress outfit? When's World Book Day? You know, all these things that women take on and a lot of men, I'll be <laughs> careful, a lot of men just don't even think about it. And I, I really like that that was the basic principle of this. It's revealed she's been doing this for a long time. She's been taking a note of it. So this resentment has been building up. I watched three episodes of this because <laughs> I kept watching it because I'm like, I'm not sure if I really like this or not. I, I, I found it took me a while to get into it because... As Michael said, it is two very different things. There's the domestic side. And then once she gets into the Forest of Dean, it is a lot more sort of quirky, weird characters and a bit more. It reminded me a little bit of the detectorists and the kind of characters uh, that she meets. At the start, I thought, I'm going to really hate this. But by the end of the first episode, I, 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 it had grown on me because of these other characters and the interaction she has with Paul Whitehouse at the end of the first episode I just really love you know he's a usual man in a pub a middle-aged man in a pub going all right love you know and sitting down next to her and saying oh it's beautiful women like you excuse me you shouldn't be sitting on your own and she goes why shouldn't I be sitting on my own what's wrong with it and he's like uh I don't know it's just one of those things you say you know and she's making a lot of people think about themselves differently and, and their relationship to women and especially middle-aged women. Um, and as it goes on, there are much more of these weird characters, like the Mon Monica Dolan and her sister. and um, Susan Lynch is the actress. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I think it's is it Carmel and Agnes are the names. The eel sisters, as they call the them. The eel sisters, yes. And the eel, the eel king uh, festivals coming up, and um, Jerome Flynn in it is very interesting as well. And I think it's definitely a grower. The more it goes on, and the more relaxed it comes in into the the story and the general feel of the, of the place she is in the in the forest of Dean and the like Cornwall type. <laughs> Morris, we see Morris dancers right at the start of the episode, and it's that feel, that very British quirkiness, old world, all these weird myths and folklore and stuff. And she leans in heavily to that, and I think I really enjoyed it once it got into more of that. Do you stick with the characters she's left behind as well? Do you, you know, do Omid yeah. Lily and and Lisa Tarbot? Do they? Yeah, you see, not not hugely, but you just see. Um, Omid Jalili's character trying to adapt to being on his own and he finds her ledgers that detail all the times she's done work and he starts reading them and obviously gets a better idea of, of everything that's been going on um, and Lisa Tarbuck the only thing I've seen is she keeps phoning her to say come back to your husband we haven't seen their kids again for instance no. the they were sort of like again very generic the yeah. their on the phones and then like because it starts with her 50th birthday doesn't it the daughters stop slurping your wine so loudly yeah. <laughs> but yeah my favorite scene is the one that you've already mentioned the one with paul whitehouse where why shouldn't a, <laughs> a pretty lady like sit on her own and enjoy a drink and, and read a book and it's just good to see paul whitehouse acting <laughs> And that's what I thought when he turned up. I was just like, oh, yeah, he, he acts occasionally. He doesn't just fish all the time. Um, I liked the general spirit of this, is what I would say. It's the kind of programme that you would hope Channel 4 made more often. I know Luke's made a point of saying the output that Channel 4 have, have given us has been mixed, to say the least. Although, you know, Michael's rejoicing that Naked Attraction's coming back now, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think I would give this another go. I think with Channel 4, they do take some risks in their comedy. You were saying earlier, women over 50 getting a voice. This is that, really. And this is, I think, an aspect that doesn't get looked at enough on TV and certainly in TV comedy. A sort of a talented cast as well. And I I didn't realise this would be Monica Dolan week. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think Christy is just... She has such what well, I know she's a comedian, but she has wonderful timing, doesn't she? She's like mm. aloof, but also she's got an inten- intensity to her. She, she's a really strong on screen presence. Definitely something, you know, that I will remember. So, yeah, so that is the change. Channel 4 Wednesday nights, I would assume it's all going to be up on Channel 4 online now, not all four. Daft. I know, I know. Well, what they say, you know, is. Watch live on Wednesdays or all online on channel4.com. Moving on now to uh, the other comedy of the week. Co-written and starring Catherine Tate. She plays uh, Princess Georgiana, a.k.a. Georgie. Uh, She's a notorious wild child and uh, black sheep of the British royal family. It's essentially a female Prince Harry, I would say, is what they were going for here. After yet another faux pas involving an interaction with a pupil during a school visit, um, it's arranged for Georgie to travel to Australia and become their queen. Uh, This is both so uh, her parents can get her away from the UK and to stop Australia from leaving the Commonwealth. Joining her will be her team. Uh, She's got Annabelle, who's a very dim 
lady-in-waiting who doesn't understand the seasons in Australia or doesn't really understand anything. Personal assistant Matthew, who I believe is a cousin as well, this is his first day on the job, uh, which he celebrates by destroying his laptop, which we later learn contains the speech that she's got to deliver. And we've also got the uh, private secretary, Bernard, who is the very sort of stoic royal aide who has come out of retirement for this mission, uh, mainly so he can avoid speaking to his wife. Uh, when she gets into Australia, uh, we meet more members of the team. We've got Zoe, who doesn't stand on graces when addressing Georgie. She's really sort of social media savvy and keeps her job when she tells Georgie she can meet all three of the Hemsworth brothers. And then we've got Mark, who's the head of security. Uh, he is a former Black Hawk pilot and seemingly the only person who she may have a connection to in Australia. They have a little interaction near the end um, of the episode. Rather predictably, we get uh, the first speech delivered. Again, doesn't end well when we hear that she delivers an offensive joke during the speech. Very similar to some of the character comedy that Catherine Tate's done before, but trying to put it in a sitcom package, I would say. Dawn, what did you make of it? The bit where the private secretary tells her what's going to happen, you know, the, the central premise of the show. I had mm. to reach it four times because I kept going, what? What's happening? I don't understand this. And even having watched, I watched one and a half episodes. That's half <laughs> for you. Isn't it? That tells us something. I was like, the entire central premise is on such a sugarly peg, as we say mm-hmm. in Scotland. It makes no sense whatsoever that her mother abdicates the seat and gives it to her, the second in line, but then she has to rule from Australia. And then, so then when she goes to Australia, all she seems to do is rule Australia. And what about the rest of the Commonwealth and Britain? And it just seems like they went, you know what would be really funny is a, a queen in Australia. Okay, let's work backwards and figure out how we do that. We'll do that at the well, end. Nobody will pay attention. That scene was very disconcerting because he was sitting in the middle of a room in a, on a single chair. So that's the first bit. But like it was him explaining the plot to her. And every time there was a plot hole, as you said, he just went, don't worry about that. Yeah. Like as if he was telling the audience, don't worry about all these gaps in logic. <laughs> I mean, I, I spent time while watching it thinking they could have done this if they just said she was the spear, as is the, the name, and she'd been sent to Australia because of her bad behaviour and she was sent there to do something specific or to, to win over the... the but this, this entire conceit that she is now the Queen and the royal family, it doesn't even work in the show because... Oh, the Australian tabloids could have jokingly referred to her as Queen of Oz. Exactly. That she's not actual Queen. And Why is she the Queen? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. They don't have the budget to do this. <laughs> In the second episode, she's wearing the same outfit she had on in the first episode. I was like, she's the queen! She's <laughs> And it all takes place in a house. It's not even a palace. It's just a big house. Okay, getting aside the plot, the comedy itself, also not funny. The problem is that we know Catherine Tate can act. She was so good at Do- as Donna, and she could break our hearts as Donna in Doctor Who. But not here. It's so over the top. And she's doing impressions of other people. And 
the thing I think that bothered me most is I could see little seeds of what they were trying to do. And I was thinking, I can see how this could be good. There are little moments about the fact that she's the spear and that the abuse she'd had from the tabloids as the a ginger fat one with glasses and things that could be said about trying to make the monarchy modern day but also what appeals to people is the fact that they're not modern it's the fact that they're tied to the past there are little seeds of things and a couple of lines which were funny and could have been good if it wasn't for all this over-the-top ridiculousness there is a lot of vomit at the start it's so over-the-top ridiculous I couldn't sit with it in my head I couldn't switch off the fact that this makes no sense and just enjoy it sorry for those listening to your phone <laughs> my first note actually Dawn just to bounce off what you said is is six still funny <laughs> <laughs> because it felt like something from another maybe not another generation but I was just thinking you know those jokes were sort of of the little Britain era which is sort of where Catherine Tate slots in in my sort of mind palace, that sort of mid to late 2000s sketch comedy, which we liked at the time. But I think comedy now has matured. And this broad comedy, even though it is on BBC One, feels very old fashioned. You know, we talked about Black Ops, didn't we? Which is what yes. this is replaced in this slot that had modern sensibilities but was still very funny and was silly but didn't insult your intelligence like yeah. you're saying here you know it was high concept but had the jokes this did not make me laugh once i think my face changed into a smile maybe once near the end um i did mine did at the credits <laughs> um i think it was the interaction she had with the security guard at the end because she makes a joke about a gay koala bear or something like that. And, and then he says, I wasn't offended, but I've never been a gay koala or something like that. But that was the only bit where it was like, possibly because it was the only thing that seemed like an actual human interaction that anyone had in this half an hour. Everything felt written. This is this character and their personality trait is dim. This is this character. Their personality trait is timid. This is this character and they are the modern social media person. Here is Rupert Murdoch, the snidey female president of Australia. All these archetypes, nothing works. The comedy is very old fashioned. The BBC are obviously hinging this on all the fact that people like Catherine Tate, like the sketch show she did in the 2000s and will follow this regardless. I mean, this is all up on the iPlayer now. You can watch the second half or the first half of, of the second episode like Dawn did, if you'd like. Now, Michael, in our little group chat, you said, please don't end with Queen of Oz. Uh, <laughs> we'd like to know why that was. Because you'd end on a big downer. <laughs> <laughs> no notes, not out of ten. <laughs> um, I generally didn't write any notes. I was so angry. <laughs> um Again, what you're saying, I, I I read a description of this. I think it's a blurb, actually, on, on the actual show itself. It's described it as riotous. I just thought that couldn't be further than truth because it's completely slick. But if they're classing puking and insulting and people not knowing what's going on 
was and Mick Hucknall joke as well I've written down. I can't remember what it was now, yeah. but I was just thinking, why are we doing a joke about Mick Hucknall yeah. in a 2023 show? It's all, like you say, it's, it's stereotypes. It's There's nothing to any character. There's no depth to anything going on. I'm not saying the change was full of masterfully written characters, but the, the heart of the show is... But you can believe that these characters have existed you know, you can believe the marriage of Bridget Christie and Ahmed Jalili and the, you know, the malaise that she's in. Yeah. Whereas this is just, these characters are being introduced to you. Here's the premise. We've pressed play. Let's go. And like you say, that big old explanation at the beginning of, well, this is what the series is about. And you're going to go to Australia. Like Dawn says, makes no sense. But that took about three or four minutes of what? Nothing. Um <laughs> I got to confess, I've never been a big fan. Well, I've never been a fan of Catherine Tate's comedy purely for the reason because if you shout something, it doesn't make it funny. And she shouts, my God, she shouts. But unfunny lines, just because you shout them, doesn't make them all of a sudden comedy gold. Oh, <laughs> I suddenly realised that it's a lot like The Diplomat. Had it been run through a 1970s British sitcom filter. <laughs> There's a character in the uh, Australian household who is Asian and called Wee Wee. And there is yeah. like 20 jokes about Wee Wee. I'm like, are we not past making jokes about foreign names? That's what I was thinking as well. That's something else I've written now. Yeah. Clearly not is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Vomit, racism. What else? What else was covered in this? Half Although, hour? you know, this whole review, someone somewhere will be saying, oh, you're so woke. Why can't you just laugh at this? You may have laughed at that kind of thing in the 70s, but 2023 and TV needs to be better than this. Mm. It just needs to, it needs to be more complex in its writing and cleverer and ask more of the audience. If you sit down and watch this and laugh, that's fine. That's your that's your choice. But I don't believe at large people are going to take to this because it, there's nothing to it. It's just insults, brashness. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Innuendo. Mild racism. <laughs> There's no world building. There's literally... No. No. You're going to Australia... Oh, OK. Right. <laughs> Crack on. You can watch for yourself to see if, you know, you, you disagree entirely with, with the three of us. But yeah, Queen of Oz is weekly on Friday nights at 9.30 or all on iPlayer now. We are now going to go to... Um, I would, oh, I sorry, would just stop. Can you hear the dogs? 
I could before. Yeah, well, they're, but well, next door neighbour, right? <laughs> Winds me up. Because <laughs> she lets the dog out and she can't control it barking. So then my dog goes out going, rah, 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 and then they're at each other up the fence. So you I'm... sure you haven't kidnapped that dog, Michael? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Because it started little... barking just after we yeah. talked about kidnapped dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> we are now going to move on to Black Mirror. We are going to be talking about the Lock Henry episode. That is because I asked Dawn to pick uh, the episode we were going to discuss, and she picks the one set in Scotland. But actually, I think it gives us a lot to talk about, and it actually fits into... Sort of what we talk about TV and how far, you know, documentaries and, and sort of how far you go to create one of these documentaries. Uh, what I will say is we are going to go into spoiler territory here because I don't think we can't not. So if you haven't watched the episode or don't want it to be spoiled for you, you can switch off now and we will speak to you next week. Did anyone else seek out any of the other episodes or were we waiting or... I literally, before we um, started recording, I watched Maisie Day because it was 40 minutes so I could fit it in before recording. (laughs) (laughs) And was that any good? Um, It wasn't that good. Dawn, though, first is going to set this uh, this one up for us. So go ahead, Dawn. It is the story of a young man called Davis who um, is returning to his hometown in the Highlands of Scotland with his girlfriend, Pia. Uh, They are both film students and they're planning to go and make a documentary about uh, a man on the Isle of Rum who protects endangered eggs. But they're stopping by to visit um, Davis's mum, Janet, played by Monica Dolan. She lives in a nice little cottage and it's all very small village in the highlands and beautiful scenery and lochs and, and mountains and glens. Davis and Pia go to the pub to visit his childhood friend Stuart who runs the pub. It's owned by his father, who's played by uh, John Hanna. But his father is um, an alcoholic and seems to be suffering other mental health issues. So Stuart now runs the, the pub. So the, he catches up with Davis and Pia notices that there's not many tourists. And she says, why is that? And Stuart says, oh, well, that's because of Ian Adair, who she had never heard of and uh, Davis had never told her about. But under pressure... Davis and Stuart tell her the story. Ian Adair was a local young man, a typical quiet, kept himself to himself until two honeymooning tourists went missing. On the night he got drunk uh, in the pub and starts commenting on this missing couple. And that night, Davis's father, Kenny, is the local policeman. He goes after Ian Adair and is shot by him. Ian Adair then shoots himself and his parents and when the police go into his uh, home they discover a torture chamber where he has been kidnapping tourists, torturing them and eventually killing them. Hearing this story, Pia decides this is the film they need to make a true crime documentary about Ian Adair and they have this angle that you know it relates to Davis personally and they sell it to Streamberry the um, Netflix (laughs) coded TV uh, platform, which is in the several episodes of Black Mirror. And they say, yep, okay, go ahead and make it. So Stuart and Pia and Davis go about making this documentary with the assistance of a lot of videotapes and footage that both Stuart's mother and 
Davis's mother Janet had kept from the time. They also use uh, the video camera that Davis's father owned, give it a sort of um, vintage feel. And as they start making the film, things become uncovered and it is revealed that it is not exactly what they think happened. This is a very odd one, as I said. Obviously, Black Mirror now is on Netflix, but this is almost like a critique of the true crime Netflix documentary, isn't it? Like when Stuart tells Davis that he needs to make this film so the area can become a tourist hotspot once again because this has happened on other true crime documentaries. They then list off all these other documentaries that have they've seen and like Black Mirror does, it, it goes in a twisty direction and you are trying to work out what is the twist. You know, there are illusions that John Hanna's character knows more than he's letting on. I'll, I'll come out and say it. the twist is that... Janet, uh, Monica Dolan's character and Davis's late father were in on the torturing and killing of these victims and the multitude of Bergerac um, videos. You know, there's a besmirching of John Nettles in this went a bit far for me, but there you go. Um, Hide the torture porn that they had taped over the years. Monica Dolan here shows that you can be really menacing while making a shepherd's pie. <laughs> <laughs> as as the build up to the the reveal of you know who is the dodgy one because they do give you an element that John it could be John Hanna I thought at one point it was almost like a a hot fuzz thing and the whole village would would I be thought, in yeah. would be in on it but yeah I, I mean Black Mirror for me as I said at the start you know the conversation I had with Hanna about it that I struggled when it went to Netflix and got the bigger budgets and got the bigger names. But actually, I think it's good that you've chosen one where we're set in Britain. It's well shot, but it's not like super glamorous America or like the the sort of the futuristic one that was set on the spaceship. This could have feasibly been on during the Channel 4 days, I think. Really well acted. Monica Dolan, obviously fantastic. Samuel Blenklin, Blenkin, I'd, I've not seen him in anything before, but I think he was great as, as Davis. My Halla Herald, I think, is the actress's name who is in industry. She plays Pia. And I oh, like that. recognised her. <laughs> IMDb, Michael, use it. It's fun. <laughs> and that, I really like their relationship, you know, this sort of feisty American girl and this sort of, you know, timid Scottish guy. And their, their sort of um, chemistry was really good for this. And I didn't know exactly where it was going, but you knew that, you know, that there would be a twist. But I think the twist worked you know we were talking about twist when we were talking about inside number nine and this one felt authentic and then you know the exploration of he's actually used this to further his career and um, we see that you know it's it's worked in bringing the tourists back to the area but to what end and actually it's one of those episodes of black mirror that keeps you thinking long after the credits roll i mean there there is the lack of subtlety in the monica dolan uh, character when she's involved in the torture is wearing this mask and then they went up after at the end which is also a mask and the masks we put on and all of that but it just you know you you do keep thinking about the level of sacrifice that people go through to produce these true crime documentaries most of which people watch on netflix so yeah i i really enjoyed it and i do think as i say it fits in with us as a tv podcast what about you michael yeah i've always been a big fan of black mirror like i think the general theme is 
we feel it's lost a bit of its way sometimes since it's since it's gone to netflix it's had some amazing episodes but it's also i don't know that what was that was it the last series it was only three episodes that was a bit under par i don't know with tv now everyone says things like oh this is very black mirror-y or this is very inside number 90 but this actually felt like an inside number nine episode within black mm. mirror because mm. it's I... more i guess it's more low-key and that the the element of the couple on the deserted lakes on a quest and then the creeping darkness that twists a knife as the episode goes on that felt very uh inside number 90 but what actually stood out most to me is that with black mirror they usually foretell the horror of where to- technology is leading us but this one is very analog the technology here is vhs tapes i know charlie brooker has said something about he wants to try new things with this series and i think this might be a hint of it the dark side of the internet and the dark web and bullying platforms on things like tiktok etc that essentially has been with us since we've had the ability to record each other and these video recordings that aren't Bergerac were done decades ago and at first it doesn't feel in keeping with the anthology but I think it still documents the perils of humanity and tech emerging it's just done on a different wavelength to modern technology I suppose. But I suppose the modern technology aspect of it is the true crime documentary aspect of it as well, isn't it? And the manipulation of using the personal aspect when they have that first meeting at the the fake Netflix. To me, yeah, the the ending was quite a surprise because for most of the episode, it's been quite barren and scenic and dark. And Mm. then we're in an office for Streamberry and then we're at an awards. But then we've got the big trailer for the film coming up and then we're at the BAFTAs. So that was, a, again, a quite a, a leap from where the show had gone. So I think, it, like you say, it's merged the old fashioned technology to the current state of where we are now. I really enjoyed it. Again, I agree that, you know, I was watching it thinking this could be an episode of Inside Number Nine. And I enjoyed that feel of it more. I'm not a big fan of the real dystopianness of, of Black Mirror, the real everything is awful and we're all terrible, which obviously this is. But it felt like an old-fashioned horror film, you know, something like um, Blair Witch Project in a way, you know, the reveal of something that comes later in the end. My only downside that I had with it was that I felt the ending went on too long and was sort of repeatedly hammered home, whereas I think the point would have been made just they show the trailer for this new documentary, which is about Davis and what he's uncovered. That hit home, yeah, okay, oh, they're turning that in the the story. And I don't think we needed the stuff with the BAFTA and him sitting there. It felt too much for me. And that's something I've I've felt with Charlie Brooker's writing a lot, is that he ends it and then again and again. And I Mm. I recognise it because it's something I do. (laughs) I'm like, no, don't do that. I do that as well. Don't take the ending on too long. But other than that, I, I really liked it. I did note that Fern Brady, the uh, Scottish comedian, was complaining about the uh, racism that was coming from the Scottish characters. That it was a very generalisation. I did feel it was in keeping with Janet's character, you know, a, a middle-aged woman, older woman who's living out in the highlands in a small village might have that same kind of unconscious racism rather than overt. But, I, you know, the, I was delighted to see, as I tweeted, um, I recognise Podrick from Game of Thrones uh, played Stuart, but a day late. <laughs> 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 Over 
12 hours to go, oh, it's Podrick, that's who it is, and you recognise him. But I like that they, they kept that mystery going of what is his involvement, but in fact he was the one saying other people are bad, and that was what had driven him to drink, was not that he was involved in it, but he knew about it and hadn't done anything about it. He was it. keeping it a secret, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. The only frustration I actually had, uh, you you mentioned the ending, Dawn, but to me it was the way Pia was written out in a completely, yeah. we, you, we don't need you in the storyline anymore, so you go and knock your head out in, in the lake. <laughs> it was yeah. a bit like, we don't need you, bye. The fact that they didn't actually reveal that she died until speech at the BAFTAs, and then the, the only thing I would counteract is that bit of the after party where they say, oh, we're turning it into a drama now and we're looking to cast a Pia. The sort of the callousness of how quick we turn tragedy into opportunity, perhaps. But as it went on and on so long, I was fully expecting her to do a Harold Bishop and turn up, you know, having <laughs> drifted, trom- having drifted along the shoreline. <laughs> I went on Twitter after I saw it, just on the, this hashtag, just to see what people made of it. And a lot of people were saying that they felt that Davis knew about his dad and his mum. And that never struck me at all. No. No, I mean, I, yeah, they're, they're saying if you look through certain hints through it that he he kind of knew, but I just can't, I can't see it. He was only young, wasn't he? He would have yeah, not been that, that old at all when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand that theory at all. People have too much time on their hands sometimes. I would, <laughs> I would say. but you know, if you find little things in there, then that's up to you. But I think that's ludicrous. I watched Joan is Awful, the first episode as well. Okay. It, it's about two things, which is one is AI and the CGI and, you know, how deep fakes and all that kind of thing. And also what we sign away when we sign our terms and conditions. The woman who discovers her life has been made uh, a TV series. And it turns out that she'd agreed to that when she signed up to watch Streamberry. So, um, yeah, read, read the terms and conditions, people. The whole uh, run of this season of Black Mirror is up there on Netflix now, and I think we're all very positive uh, about Locke Henry. So well done, Dawn, for picking this episode. (laughs) Thank you very much to uh, Dawn and to Michael. Do you want to just run through where people can find you on the internet? I'll start with you, Michael. Uh, Yeah, I'm Yekim underscore Mikey on Twitter, and basically I just slag off Tories, so that's not your thing. I wouldn't follow me. Um, and your podcast where can we find that yeah it's the box on a survivors group it's on Podbean, spotify a load of others apart from apple and my dog clearly doesn't like it and and he has kidnapped a dog so if you're missing <laughs> a dog you can find me on twitter at don glenn two and uh the shipyard is the shipyard ust and i'm at matt's tv but it's luke at lucas the tv uh, thecustardtv.com we are on facebook uh, such the custard tv it's the custard tv on instagram and custard tv reviews with an s at the end at gmail.com is the uh, email and uh, we will be back next week till then thank you very much for listening and goodbye rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.